It was just upstate New York. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of What Exit? Jersey Stories. My name is Nick Franco. I will be your host. And, of course, with me, my co-host. Pete Riario. Christian O'Reilly. Yes, yes. Yeah, our, our, our special guest today is our longtime friend and, uh, well, and, and, and historian. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Christian O'Reilly. How you doing, Christian? Pretty good, yeah. Um, I was just, I was just saying I, I was at my son's baseball games today, and uh, sw- there was a doubleheader sweep. I'll just put it that way. Wow! <laughs> so you're saying your team won? Uh, I didn't actually say that. <laughs> okay. They, they brought out the brooms. Yeah. Or, or, or was it a dustpan? I don't know. <laughs> they had everything. They had a mop. Everything. <laughs> uh, they, they just went the Swiffer route. <laughs> nice. You, you know when the coach puts in the all lefty infield that it's uh, you know, it's gotten out of hand at some point. <laughs> gotcha. Out, out of left hand, but um, mm-hmm. it, it, anyway, uh, just to, to let everyone out there know, you like uh, on what exit Jersey stories we we go over the people, places, things, and events in in New Jersey history, and um. And and Christian, you are a long long time Jerseyan, are you not? <laughs> I am. Yeah, there there we go. Yes. Early yeah, 70s. yeah. <laughs> Christian Christian uh, grew up with me uh, in, in in Hackensack. Yeah. So 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 another uh, fellow Sackian. I was I was exported <laughs> from the Bronx at a very young age. Me too. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, born in the Bronx and then moved uh, to Jersey when I was six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. How old? I was like three, three. That's yeah. Young. yeah, I was going to say I forgot. I forgot you were both uh, transplants. Yeah. yeah. But I, well, I'm sorry. What, what was you going to say, Pete? No, just I. I love New York. <laughs> but I'm, yeah. For a great vacation. <laughs> uh, but this sure is not. The old, this uh, is not TV. New York. This is not New York stories. Damn it. No. <laughs> no, we are celebrating the great state of New Jersey. Yes, the Garden State. The west side of the Hudson. <laughs> yes, the west side is the best side. <laughs> but, but barring some uh, words there from uh, John Ross and the uh, Point Blank podcast. Mm-hmm. O- also on the uh, Shared Universe Network. Correct. But uh, t- t- today's uh, subject, um, l- let's talk the month of May. Oh. Well... As you you were both uh, Star Wars fans, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, now now the holiday is uh you know May the Fourth. May the Fourth be with you. Yes. Yeah. And we're all familiar with the fifth of May, known as May fifth. Yeah. What, what is that called? <laughs> uh, yeah, not not Star Wars related, but oh, El Cinco de Mayo. There yeah. we go. Cinco de Mayo. Okay. <laughs> What about May sixth? Uh, May sixth. <laughs> uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, what 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 are the ways uh, 
it, it's known as is Revenge of the Sixth. You know, you know, the play on words funny. Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> I think but, I watched some Clone Wars that day. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you enjoy them? Very good. Excellent. I'm going through my first, uh, you know, not binge watch, but like I watched like a few episodes with my son, and then then he goes with his mom for a while, and we watch it a bunch more, and then yeah, Sweet. sounds like halfway through season five. Cool, cool. I was going to say, uh, I I think uh, the Clone Wars uh, animated show d- did a much better uh, job of it than. Uh, so some of the, uh, you know, like the prequel, uh, you know, uh, Attack of the Clones there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they straightened some things out. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Anakin was a more flushed out uh, character. But, oh, uh, yeah. Did you say flushed out? Yes. Well, f- fl- flushed out. Yes, yes. Yeah, he had to use the toilet. <laughs> flushed out. Flushed out. <laughs> uh, re- rendered out. He's, he, he's CGI, damn it. Like a baby alligator flushed out into the sewer system and then placid. <laughs> But um, I, I was going over May 6th in history, okay. and um, I, I came up with some May 6th events here. Um, in 1527, uh, Spanish and German troops sack Rome, which uh, many scholars uh, consider this was the end of the Renaissance. Now, was that Tony Rome on the Redskins that got sacked? Yes, Tony Rome. You know, he, he roams around. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. That was... Uh, <laughs> that, that was in living color. Sorry. Um, in in 1863, on uh, May 6th, in the American Civil War, the the Battle of Chancellorsville. Uh, do you know how that one ended, Christian? Uh, I'm trying to remember who won. I know it was really bad for everyone. Yeah, but... it was really bad. The Army of the Potomac uh, was defeated by the Army of Northern Virginia. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, 1976. Oh, what, what's that, Christian? They got it back two months later at Gettysburg, though. Yes, 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 yes. But but the first one, yeah, not so good. No. Yeah. no. May May sixth, 1976. Um, a 6.5 moment of magnitude earthquake uh, hit northern Italy with a. Um, uh, it's called the modified Mercalli intensities uh, scale of X. Which means extreme. Mm. No, no relation to the X Games, but um, basically, this earthquake left over a thousand dead and two thousand injured. Wow! Oh man! Uh, May May sixth, nineteen eighty eight. Um, the flight seven ten, uh, the Widero flight seven ten crashed into Mount Tor- Torgotten in uh, Bronoy uh, by the uh, Netherlands over there. Uh-huh. Um, oh wow! I'm sensing a theme. Not a and, great day. Uh, no, no, no. And, and to, to to top it off, 1998, Steve Jobs of Apple unveils the first iMac. So some pretty bad things have happened on May 6th <laughs> <laughs> throughout history. Depends how you look at the last one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, if you're if you're an Apple fanboy. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But I, I, I'm going to give a particularly bad day in New Jersey. Oh. May 6th, 1937. Okay. Uh, they started having it... album covers. Yes, yes. It, 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 did, uh, it, it did spawn an album album cover there. Um, 
do, do, do you guys know what happened on May 6, 1937? I think so. Me too. I'll let Christian take it, though. It's when uh, the Hindenburg exploded. Yeah, you could say, well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they would consider it necessarily exploded. And we're going to get into that, actually, and, and why that's important. Mm. But yes, uh, May 6, 1937, at the Naval Air Station in Lakehurst, New Jersey. Lakehurst, yeah. Yep. The, the fastest commercial way across the Atlantic at the time um, basically came to an abrupt end when the Hindenburg went down in flames. Mm. Now, many people have, have seen the newsreel of uh, the Hindenburg disaster. You, you guys have seen that, right? Yes. Especially the famous audio associated with it. Yeah, and 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 what is what is the uh, what what is the line from that audio, Pete? Um, the the oh famous line. Oh, what the heck! I, I got it. it. Was Roger? Oh, was you it, almost uh, had it. Mar- Mar- Murrow was the uh, broadcaster. Am I right? No. M U R R O W. No. No, it was actually Herbert Morrison of uh, radio oh. station WLS Chicago. Okay. Oh, the what is it? The, the horror, the try. I forgot what it was. What was you're, you're getting close. The humanity. That's. I think yes. Got it. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> oh, humanity. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, there was a lot of actually n- newscasters there that day. It was. It was actually a pretty big event. It was the first transatlantic flight via Zeppelin to the U.S. that year in 1937. Um, actually, in, in fact, along the way, the Hindenburg actually flew over New York City, uh, you know, like kind of like veered off its path a little bit and came back and uh, came down to Lakehurst. Huh. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of news crews uh, waiting on hand to witness you know, this historic uh, you know, flight, uh, these passengers that were uh, co- coming in from Germany. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, so there's actually a lot of pictures and um, and newsreels, you know, video yeah. of the happenings of that day. Right. But the strange thing about these pictures and the uh, the newsreels, um, they caught the Hindenburg when it was already aflame and to its demise. But nobody caught what actually happened to cause it. Oh. So it, it, it's kind of strange. Yet to, to this day, there's debate over what exactly the cause of the Hindenburg disaster was. Mm. But let, let, let's let, let's go over what what was the Hindenburg. The, um, do, do you know what it was? It was a zeppelin. Yes. <laughs> A dirigible, or whatever that they want to call it. That is correct as well. I don't know if I got the pronunciation correct. No, no, um, yeah, uh, dirigible, dirigible. I don't know. It's you know, d- dependent on your uh, on, you on your accent there. It's one of those words you always read, but you never say, right? Like exactly. Yeah. And a- actually, l- l- let's just go over real quick. What the hell is a zeppelin? A dirigible? An airship? A blimp? What's the difference? Do you guys actually know what the difference between these things are? Oh, wait. The blimps are just a giant balloon, right? And the Zeppelin has rigid supports and stuff? You're correct, Christian. Yeah. The, Very the, good. 
the blimp actually is a pressured airship. So it's it's a lighter than air vehicle, but the shape is actually maintained by the pressure of the gases within it. The dirigible, or also Zeppelin, is also an airship, but it is a rigid airship, so it actually has a frame inside of the skin. You know, and it's actually more maneuverable than a blimp would be. Ah, huh. So, now, here, here's another difference. Like, if a blimp actually deflates, it actually loses its shape. Okay. If you were to lose the air out of a Zeppelin or a dirigible, you still have your shape, your frame. You're just not in the air anymore. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and uh, do, do, do you know who, who, who started using blimps in uh, 1925 to uh, advertise their brand, right? Goodyear. G- good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right or wrong? Or you are correct. Not- okay. Good year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, did you know, though, that blimps were also part of the U.S. Navy, their lighter than air program? They made extensive use of blimps in like anti-submarine and uh, reconnaissance roles from the 20s through the 50s. Hmm. I would not want to. Being a blimp in World War Two, oh my God! No, no way. yeah, you, you, you're kind of a bit of a sitting duck there, aren't you? <laughs> well, do, do, do you know that um, the new blimps from uh, Goodyear are actually semi-rigid dirigibles? As of uh, 2017, I believe is when that started. Yeah, the, the the last of the um, classic Goodyear blimps was deflated, and the newfangled version was uh, instituted. You know, huh. I saw the the Pizza Hut blimp deflate over New York City in about 1992 one day. Oh, uh, you you, you saw that one? Yeah, I was. I took the George Washington Bridge to work that day, and was coming down the West Side Highway. I'm like, why is he? doing that and then it it looked like it was deflating and it was like getting really low and like oh <laughs> and ah. sure enough it crashed into a building yeah and yeah they were fine you know, t- t- talk about your special delivery though you know yeah yeah there was some girl sunbathing on the roof and she was like oh <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's funny and, and you want to hear some other irony the the last goodyear blimp to crash Want to guess the name? Uh, Crash Bandicoot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was called the stock market. No, um, no, oh. a different crash. Now, the, the the last Goodyear blip to crash was actually the Spirit of Safety, which ironically, <laughs> on yeah. June 12th, 2011, caught fire. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, the Australian pli- uh, pilot who was uh, uh, j- driving that thing, uh, he perished, but he saved the three passengers who were aboard the blimp. Um, he he uh, had them j- uh, jump out at a, uh, a reasonable um, height. Right. So, so they could get away, and then he 
uh, steered the blimp away from the ground crew, so they they didn't get uh, caught up in the uh, in the wreckage. Oh. Huh. But yeah, also the going back though to the zeppelins, the rigid airships. Um, they they're made up of also individual gas cells, like basically kind of like gas balloons within the frame within the skin. Hmm. Yeah, and do you know the difference between saying a dirigible? Such as the new or semi-dirigible, like the new uh, Goodyear ones, and a Zeppelin. Hydrogen, right? Eh? Right. Not exactly. No. No. Hmm. But yeah, not- yeah, like yeah, that. That's that's in there, but that's not what actually differentiates it. Keith Moon never commented on the new ones. No, no, he he, he did not. <laughs> And we'll get to that in a little while, too. Yeah, a, a Zeppelin oh, is, again, a dirigible, a, a rigid airship manufactured by a particular company, uh, Luf, Luf, Luftschiffbau Zeppelin of Germany. Sure. The, the, the Zeppelin Airship Construction Company, mm-hmm. founded by Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin. Oh, they're still around. Uh, that I do not know, but th- that's uh, what actually distinguished them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and finally, the other difference between all these things, a zeppoli is an Italian pastry cons- it consisting is. of deep-fried dough. <laughs> Love and, that uh, stuff. Usually covered in powdered sugar, and it, you know, it's in a ball shape. So, mm-hmm. so for all those wondering, yeah, we, we, we've cleared up the, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the confusion. Now, I'm going to take you back a little further. I'm going to take you back into the 1800s. Well, actually, we'll we'll go back a little further than that. The the whole idea idea of lighter-than-air ballooning was actually, uh, how do I want to say, like, invented uh, by the French. Oh, hey. But... Unfortunately, some of their uh, structures, um, because they weren't using the best materials at the time, uh, they would catch fire and come crashing down. <laughs> mm. But we had a lot of balloonists, you know, a, a lot of balloon enthusiasts here in the United States, including pioneers John Wise. I, I, Pete, I don't know if he's related to Gene or not. I don't think so. I think it's related again. John Lamartin, uh, the brothers Ezra Allen and James Allen, mm-hmm. and Thaddeus S. C. Lowe. And and, and who was that? Uh, Pete, you, you were going to name someone else? No, no, go on. Oh, okay. Uh, what were you going to say? Ethan Allen or Barry? I Allen? How'd you know that? Damn it! <laughs> yes, <laughs> Ethan Allen. That's how he captured the fort. There we go. <laughs> well, let, let's concentrate on Mr. Lowe for a second, because in 1857, yeah. Thaddeus S.C. Lowe actually built and piloted his first balloon in a tethered flight at a small farm in Hoboken, New Jersey. Whoa. 
Nice. <laughs> and there's something out else about Thaddeus S. C. Lowe. He became the first chief aeronaut of the U.S. Army Balloon Corps. Have either of you ever heard of the U.S. Army Balloon Corps? No. Maybe. Well, is that like part of? What's that? Was that? I don't know. The, that that the balloon corps. The the balloon corps. <laughs> that you know, like oh. when when you eat, you know, the outside of the balloon, you're you're left with the balloon corps. Yeah, right. <laughs> or I'm gonna you know work on my balloon corps because you ate too much Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. <laughs> Yeah, you, you want to strengthen your balloon core. Your midsection, yeah, core. <laughs> I call it my balloon core because it looks like a balloon. Yeah, oh, mine's starting to look like this. <laughs> I think everyone in quarantine is supposed to starting to look like that. Like they ate a, med- like they ate a medicine ball. Yeah. In the cor- I have the quarantine hair right now, too. <laughs> Go on, Nick. Well, uh, d- yeah. d- during the Civil War, b- balloons were actually used. We, we, we had a balloon corps, and it was used, actually, as scouting. Hmm. And during the Civil War, Lowe actually met Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin, who was in the United States at the time, acting as a military observer of the war. Now, Lowe sent you know, uh, Count von Zeppelin to Poolsville to uh, visit his German assistant aeronaut, John Steiner, who could also speak German, so a little more convenient for uh, Count von Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, although the the count returned in the eighteen se- seventies to interview Lowe again on all his aeronautic techniques, this became um, pretty important because Count von Zeppelin later designed the dirigible aircraft that bore his name using many of these techniques. Hmm. Uh-huh. Hence the advent of the Zeppelin. Now, th- there was also, you know, prior to the Hindenburg, th- there were other Zeppelins that were launched, including there was um, another uh, Zeppelin, if I can find it here. Um... There, there was another one called the Graf Zeppelin. That was the predecessor to the Hindenburg. Do you know what Graf means? No. Um, in German, uh, no. Go on. I'm not Graf sure. means uh, fierce. Uh, 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 what's it? Fierce female uh, tennis player. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it means count. Steffi. Yes, Steffi Graf. <laughs> I thought it had something to do with security, like McGrath the crime dog. Yes. <laughs> Help take a bite out of dirigibles. <laughs> Not a good combination at all. No. <laughs> well, the Graf Zeppelin was actually the airship that offered the first commercial transatlantic passenger flight service uh, from Germany okay. to, w- want to guess? New Jersey. Lakehurst, New Jersey. Nice. There you go. <laughs> and that happened in October of 1928. All right. Now, um, again, the Graf Zeppelin is named after Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin because, again, Graf means count. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
Now, uh, s- some important things about also this flight. Clara Adams became the first female paying passenger to fly transatlantic on the return flight from the U.S. to Germany. Uh-huh. An- another strange tidbit about that flight back. In Lakehurst, a stowaway boarded and was discovered mid-voyage in the mailroom. <laughs> now, I did say in the mailroom mm-hmm. that these Zeppelins were pretty big. That sounds... Yeah, right. That yeah. Mailroom. Well, in 1929, the, the, the following year, the Groff Zeppelin actually flew around the world. Oh. You want to guess how many days it took? Uh, well, I, I mean, I would have to know what the, like, the max speed of that Zeppelin was, so, but it must have taken a hell of a long time, no? Take a shot. Good, Christian, do you have a guess? I'm just throwing out 20 days, but I, I really don't know. Christian, you, you, you were closest without going over. 21 days. Oh, the Raph Zeppelin <laughs> flew around the world. Honestly. Yes, it, yeah, flew around the world in 21 days, not 80. Nope. Ah. So, 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 so Phineas Fogg, eat your heart out. Um, wow. The Groff Zeppelin also flew 590 flights, totaling over a million miles from 1928 to 1937. Okay. But let, let's get back to our uh, s- subject uh, at hand, though. The Hindenburg. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the Hindenburg was a pretty huge vehicle. It was 804 feet long. Can you picture how big <laughs> this thing was? It's bigger than this truck stop. Yeah, it, it is bigger yeah. than a truck stop. <laughs> and um, it was actually... You know, the whole idea of the Zeppelin and uh, the new airships and dirigibles uh, was it was a faster, more convenient way to travel, you know, cross Atlantic um, than, say, a cruise liner. Basically, this was the air version of a cruise liner. Anyone know any any famous cruise liners that were really big? The Titanic. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that had a good ending, right? <laughs> Queen Mary. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, the Queen Mary. Yes, that, that was another great one. <laughs> yeah, we all saw what happened to the Titanic in um, that James Cameron movie. Yes, yes. So what happened to the Titanic was the... Uh, the the the, uh, the the jewel was uh, the the necklace was uh, th- thrown overboard uh, in, in into the ocean, but and then um, the navi the navi retrieved it. Go on. Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. That that was the next movie. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happened to the Hindenburg then. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, you were asking Pete the max speed yeah. of, of these zeppelins. Well, the yes. Hindenburg max speed was actually eighty four miles an hour. Oh, it's, okay. Its cruising speed actually was not far off its max speed. So 78 miles an hour was its cruising speed. 
that's not bad. Now, yeah, not bad. You, you, you brought up another point. I think it was uh, you, Christian. Um, when they designed the Hindenburg, it was designed to be filled with helium. Oh, right. But the U.S. cut off the helium from Germany, right? Correct. Yes, there were export restrictions going on at the time to Nazi Germany. And did you know that the, the, the Yeah, the, did you know the United States actually produced at the time 80% of the world's helium? Right. Yeah. Hmm. So, what what was another lighter than air gas? But hydrogen. What 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 could go wrong? It just makes water, right? If something yeah. was wrong. Yeah, th that's all. H2O. <laughs> <laughs> but uh in in actually the year before it's it's uh, uh, a fateful end in 1936 it actually made 10 trips between Germany and the United States ushering oh. in you know the age of commercial air service across the North Atlantic. So well, all good, right? Yeah, all good. Yeah. All good, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, yeah, let, let, let's let's get back to that date of May 6, 1937. Um, the, the, the Hindenburg had a crew of 61 and had 36 passengers on board. As I said, you know, the, the, the Hindenburg itself was actually pretty big. Now, when I gave you this size, you got to think, though, that was the size of the airship itself. Not the gondola. So, yeah, the gondola where the passengers were was, you know, a bit smaller. But you actually had some, you know, some room. You know, you, you, you weren't squished in there. Mm -hmm. you, you actually had your own bed, <laughs> in fact. Wow. So now they, if it was today, they would have fit like 300 passengers. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shove them all in like sardines. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, the the Hindenburg, uh, as I said, it had made it like a, it, it veered off a little bit to go over Manhattan, you know, to go over New York City. And, you know, and people were like honking their horns and like looking up, marveling at this like huge vehicle, this huge airship. Um, it, it made its final approach into Lakehurst at seven o'clock p.m., now, after a bit of maneuvering, because the ground crew wasn't ready at first, uh, the Hindenburg dropped its mooring lines you know, from the bow at 721, and uh, a light rain started. Now, uh, do, do you guys know what mooring is? So you like tie up your boat or your... Right, yeah. There you I go. Yeah, yeah, it's basically tying it up. And the actual uh, dirigibles, the uh, the zeppelins, were tied up uh, to these mooring masts. These you know these uh, really tall mooring masts, mm -hmm. including the one at the uh, the naval air base in Lakehurst. Awesome. So, yeah, the, the Hindenburg dropped its mooring lines at seven twenty one. Four minutes later, the ship caught fire and quickly was engulfed in flames. Man. What want to guess how long it took from the first sight of flames 
to the 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 flaming carcass and the hull crashing into the ground. Oh, I let the I don't know forty five seconds less. What 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 what's your guess, Christian? What's your bid? Uh, I'll say thirty seconds. One dollar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The actual retail uh, seconds were. Um, it, it took between thirty-two and thirty-seven seconds. So, Christian, again, okay. you were the closest without going over. Oh, we were both uh, like right, we're right on either side. So. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. What, what else can you do in about like say thirty seconds? I uh, eat uh, three hot dogs. <laughs> what, what, what are you, Joey Chestnut? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm Koshiagi. Whatever that is. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I forgot his name. <laughs> well, well, well. Here, here's a couple of things that, like, you know, to, to take into account. You could, you, you could make your bed. Okay. You could uh, wash your hands one and a half times if you uh, follow the uh, the guideline. <laughs> or if you're being very careful. <laughs> what's that? What's that, Christian? If you're being really, really, you know, extra careful, just like once. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you you could sing Happy Birthday three times. Because as we know, you know, like if you sing "Happy Birthday" twice, it's twenty seconds, and oh. that's the you know, the amount of time to uh, you know to count for washing your hands. Um, here, here's a song for you, "Her Majesty" by the Beatles. By, by the Beatles, you can listen to that one and a half times. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. In in fact, you could even listen to our new theme song. Thank you, by the way, to Chris Mad. Yeah. For the new theme song. You, you can listen to our new theme song one and a half times as well. <laughs> and um yeah, that that's whew, that's the Hindenburg. Up in smoke. Not a lot of time to get off. Right? Like, no, it wasn't. Oh. Which is the crazy thing. When I you know, I said there was sixty one crew and thirty six passengers. Yeah. Only 13 passengers and 22 crewmen actually perished in the blaze or wow. you know, the hours, a couple of days following. It's crazy. And, I thought and there also were so... a ground crewman. I'm sorry, okay. what's that, Pete? I, I just amazed at those figures because I thought there were so, that there was a significant amount of people on the Hindenburg. I mean, when I say significant, I mean that like over 100 or, or so. Right. And then, and then I thought the death toll was like almost everyone died on board. So that's really no. interesting to hear that. It, you know that it was a small amount of people that were on the Hindenburg, and you know, thankfully that um the, the casualties were you know um kept to a, whatever not, not exactly a minimum, but still it could have yeah, been a lot it, worse. It was, it was still a horrible loss of life, but of course it was only a, a little over a third of the you know crew and passengers that that had perished. They they were mm. able to save almost two thirds of everyone. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, now, I'm gonna say that many survived at first, right? Like, oh no, no, no! It was it was actually almost two thirds that actually survived. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the 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 start of the the flame. The 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 first reports. Some people actually reported seeing like a dim blue flame. Moments before the fire. Now, any idea what that could have been? 
a, a dim blue flame. In a kitchen? <laughs> no, no, but actually, there, there was designated smoking areas, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. <laughs> but and actually, you know what? I think there was. Come to think of it, I'm sorry. I think there was a kitchen, <laughs> which is again strange to think about. <laughs> again, this was a the luxury liner of the air. Yeah, but. People think that it might have been static electricity, oh. or, uh. or, or 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 the um, the phenomenon known as you you want to guess what it's called? Um, heat lightning. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> well, no, 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 not heat lightning. But uh, ever hear of the term Saint Elmo's fire? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yes, that that could have been what, you know, no pun intended, sparked the fire. Hmm. And uh, a, a, according to Dr. Parr, St. Elmo's fire is uh, where the future's lying. All you need is a pair of wheels to get there. That is if you're a man in motion. <laughs> I'm was sorry, that John, was John Parr. Sorry. John sorry. Parr. <laughs> Not Dr. Parr. John Parr. <laughs> Actually, Saint, but there is a thing called Saint Elmo's fire. It, it's a weather phenomenon. Uh-huh. It's uh, basically luminous plasma created by a corona discharge. No, 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 no relation to the virus or the beer, for, 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 or, or the beer. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. From a corona discharge. Yeah. If if you uh, if you uh, you know turn your uh, bottle up, you know with with uh, without a. Yeah, you know, letting a little bit of air out there, you you, you get that spray, yeah, when spray you uh, put the right lime in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's you know a discharge from a sharp or sharp or pointed object in a strong electric field in the atmosphere. So basically, something uh, that you would experience in a thunderstorm. And it actually it's a phenomenon that would appear on ships at sea during thunderstorms, and uh, a lot of sailors uh, regarded that. With uh, almost like religious awe, like uh, looking up at th- this glowing ball of blue light. Mm-hmm. Now, don't mistake it for ball lightning. That's a different phenomenon. Or grease lightning. Go on. What's that? Or grease lightning. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's burning <laughs> down the quarter mile. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still get, can't get over like, that song. Uh, you know, got so much radio airplay. And then you listen to the lyrics. It's like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's a real what? <laughs> but you know, g- g- going back to our uh, the discussion here, the uh, yeah, it, it, it could have been, say, the most fire or some static electricity that people saw at the beginning. Uh, some people. But they uh, said the first flame appeared on the port side, just ahead of the port fin, which followed by flames which burned on top. Uh-huh. And Commander Charles E. Rosenthal, uh, Rosendahl of the Lakehurst uh, Naval Base said the flames in the upper fin were actually like mushroom shaped. That's that's what the flames actually you know, grew into. Uh-huh. Now, after the initial fire and blasts, which is possibly from fuel, 
again, let, let's take this into consideration. The, the ship lurched upwards and the back broke and the tail crashed to the ground first. Mm. You Unfortunately, know when this happened, flames shut out the nose of the ship. But unfortunately, why that was a bad thing was um, that's the bow of the ship where some of the crew was. Oh. So that's a lot of the crew at the bow did not survive. Well, once that happened, though, the middle and front of the Hindenburg came lurching down into a big flaming pile. And again, 32 to 37 seconds later, yep, that, that was it. Hmm. So, yeah, it 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 was pretty scary to behold. If you listen to um, Hubert Mar, uh, what's his name again? I think it was Hubert Morrison. Yes, uh, Herbert Morrison. Mm-hmm. The, his radio cast. Oh man, Herbert Morrison. Yeah. But did you know that? You know, like although Germany was, you know, was in the whole, uh, you know, the the whole uh, dirigible uh, uh, game there. You know, we were the, in, in that game as well too, and um, uh, the Hindenburg wasn't actually the worst disaster when it came to these airships. Oh no, no. Let's talk about the USS Akron and the USS Macon. Those were U.S. designed dirigibles with actually the help of um, of uh, I, I, I forgot to write down the name, but from the the Zeppelin company. We actually it was a joint venture in making these U.S. airships. These airships were actually designed for long range scouting uh, in support of basic naval fleet operations. Uh-huh. Mm. And here, here's the wacky part. They were also referred to as flying aircraft carriers as these airships carried biplanes. <laughs> they were huh. flying aircraft carriers, huh. which could be Wild. these biplanes could be launched and recovered in flight. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the, the, these... Yeah, these dirigibles had pretty big hangers on them, and uh, the aircraft that were stored in these hangers would then be launched and also retrieved by ne- by means of this basically trapeze mechanism, <laughs> which was uh, a large T-shaped opening at the bottom of the hull. What could go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, right. What could go wrong? Uh, there, there was an actual contest the Navy sponsored to build these ships, and it was won by the Goodyear-Zeppelin Corporation, a joint venture between Goodyear and Luftschiffbau Zeppelin. Oh. Now, l- let's go on to the Akron. It made its first flight on September 23rd, 1931, under the command of Charles Rosendahl. Did we just mention him? I think so. I think he did earlier. I just don't remember now. Uh, 
Yeah, he was the commander in charge of the naval air base at Lakehurst. Oh, okay. Well, Rosendahl conducted a, conducted a series of test flights over the next month and then uh, f- flew the new ship to the Naval Air Station at Lakehurst, where it was commissioned as a vessel of the United States Navy. Uh-huh. But there were a couple of hiccups. Th- th- three, to be exact. Um, hiccup number one, February 22nd, 1932. The Akron suffered uh, an embarrassing ground handling accident in Lakehurst in front, of, in front of a group of congressmen waiting to board the ship for a demonstration of the flight. The, the ship kind of broke away from its handlers and smashed the lower fin into the ground. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't think that was what they were shooting for. <laughs> Usually when you're trying to demonstrate something, do, do you like to see it crash and, uh, and, and, and smash into the ground? <laughs> we'll just fix it and we'll all get on. Yeah. <laughs> Be right back. <laughs> You'll love the flight. <laughs> You're going to like the way you fly. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's go on to mishap number two. May 11th, 1932. On a cross-country flight to Sunnyvale, California. At a stop in Camp Kearney near San Diego. Uh a pretty tragic and public accident happened. Three sailors that were the ground crew basically were carried aloft by the mooring lines. They were basically picked up into the air when the ship climbed unexpectedly and two of the men fell to their deaths. As bad as that was, here's the part that's worse. You can look this up. It was captured on film and shown in newsreels throughout America. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't suggest looking that up right now. It's yeah, not good. Yeah. But let's get on to mishap number three. The Akron departed Lakehurst on the evening of April 3rd, 1933, on a mission to calibrate radio direction finding equipment along the northeastern coast of the United States. Um, This time, the commander was Frank C. McCord, and he had 76 persons on board, including some pretty big uh, VIPs. Um, Shortly after midnight, in the early minutes of April 4th, the ship was hit by a series of strong updrafts and downdrafts off the Jersey coast. Oh, Hmm. caught up in the uh, strong winds while trying to climb back up. The ship's tail hit the water. Hmm. Unfortunately, this also destroyed its control surfaces and the Akron crashed into the ocean. Want to guess how many people of 76 survived the Akron? Not many. Eight. Christian? Ten. I'm like, okay. Ten. This time, eh, you're both over. Three. Wow. Oh, boy. Two sailors and the ship's executive officer, Herbert Wiley. Oh, man. Here's a question for you. I'm making an airship. 
We're going to fly over the ocean. Yeah. What should we take? Something, anything, a boat, life preservers, right? Like, Correct. Life jackets, life preservers. <laughs> um, As King Arthur once said, what else floats? <laughs> <laughs> we'll build the bridge out of her. No, um, <laughs> well, basically... The the uh the the frigid water compounded by the fact that nobody had a life jacket to keep these uh survivors afloat. This became the largest loss of life of any of the airship disasters. Wow. Hmm. Now the Macon it had a couple of failures as well. In uh April nineteen thirty-four in some uh, a, a patch of rough air over Texas. Uh, the Macon's tail was damaged in the area where the fins actually attached to the framework, but they were able to land and, you know, or, you know, or get it moored and, you know, all survived. Wow. Mishap number two, February 12th, 1935. Uh, the Macon crashed at sea off the coast, coast of California during a storm. Uh, her uh, unrepaired upper fin. Yeah, see, the, they, they kind of sent her back up into the air saying, we'll get to it later. But uh, uh, you, you sort of need those fins to steer. Oh. Um, but what do you think they brought with them? Um. Bing, 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 bing. You got it, Christian. Yeah, Akron. The making the making was actually equipped with life preservers and rafts, and oh. all but two of the eighty-three people on board were rescued. Oh. and basically, after these two failures, the U.S. Rigid Airship Program, uh, you know, the, the, the Naval uh, Rigid Airship Program, I should say, was abandoned. Uh-huh. Again, we did use. Blimps, but the rigid airship program was ab- abandoned. Oh. Hmm. Now back to back to the Hindenburg again. What could have happened? One of the theories, the best, the BCs said it best: sabotage. <laughs> yeah, hmm. the, the the first thoughts, in, including. Our, our our favorite commander uh, at at the air uh, at the air base thought that it had to have been sabotage that caused the Hindenburg to uh, to just burst into flame like that and explode over the airfield, or did it? So, actually, the the head of the Zeppelin company at the time, uh, Mr. Hugo Eckner, thought it was sabotage because he heard it exploded over the airfield. But when he heard more about the disaster and actually when you could see some of the footage, although he couldn't, um, he dismissed sabotage and considered the whole idea of static electricity, static discharge. There was a couple of uh, passengers aboard that were considered the uh, best suspects 
in a sabotage attempt. One was a German acrobat, Joseph Spa, or Spa. I, I should uh, put, yeah, it has the umlaut over the uh, A. And uh, the other one was Eric Spill, um, a rigger on the Hindenburg who actually died in the fire. But uh, neither the German nor American investigation could actually endorse any of the sabotage theories. So now we're on to static. Well, the way the skin of the the, uh, the Hindenburg was actually created, it, it's actually, it was separated from the frame using these uh, Romney cords, which made a bit of a gap. It, uh, a pretty large difference in potential to form between the skin and the frame. Potential is pretty important when you talk about static electricity, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Well, here's something that happened with the Hindenburg. Um, to make up some time on its journey, it actually passed through a, a weather front of some high humidity and high electrical charges, you know, lightning. So hmm, that might build up some static there. Mm-hmm. And the the mooring lines that they dropped, at first they were not wet when they were first let you know let out, but after they hit the ground uh, you know, like and were there for a few minutes, uh, actually a, a little bit of rain had begun, and right. Eckner actually theorized that you know in those four minutes, um, uh, that that could have actually. You know, wet the ropes, which were connected to the frame, which would have grounded the frame, but not the skin. So those wet ropes connected to the frame would have caused a sudden potential difference between skin and frame and setting off an electrical discharge. Now, Professor Mark Harold of Princeton said he saw St. Elmo's fire flickering above the airship a, a, a good minute or so before the fire broke out. Hmm. So, you know, back, back to that theory. Now, here's another theory. Could it actually have been struck by lightning and just it wasn't caught on film or photo? Because the Hindenburg actually had been struck by lightning several times in its years of operation. But that doesn't normally ignite a fire in the airships due to the lack of oxygen. But if lightning strikes the vehicle when it's venting hydrogen, mm-hmm. oh. um, when it's preparing for landing, it, it, it vents hydrogen a bit in preparation, which mixes with oxygen. That forms a bit of a combustible m- mixture. So that could have been it too. Yeah. Another thing that could have caused sparks was maybe engine failure. Oh. uh, But there's a couple of big ones. Um, one of them is, what was it filled with? Hydrogen. Yep. Well, if there was a hydrogen leak. 
again, that mixes with oxygen, causing a bit of a combustible thing. Um, some of the ground crew, a couple of people noted seeing a, like a bit of fabric of skin on the port side flapping around when it was being moored. Oh. If static ignited, that could have basically ignited the hydrogen. Oh, yeah. But there's another big theory that people have had over the years, too, now. I think since basically the 90s. Um, do you guys know what doping is? Doping? Doping, yeah. It's when the athletes, like... Yes. Yes, yes, Ben Johnson, yes. He's... <laughs> Lance Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when Olympic athletes take take a foreign substance and uh, mm -hmm. no, well, doping is also it's a compound that they put on the skin of the airships. Oh, okay. It's basically like a plasticized uh, lacquer they apply to th these fabric coated uh, aircraft that tightens and stiffens the the fabric mm -hmm. over the airframe, okay. which basically does two things: it makes it airtight and weatherproof. Okay. So now the coating, though, on the Hindenburg contained both iron oxide and aluminum impregnated cellulose acetate. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, butyrate. Say it uh, 10 times fast. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's also uh, uh, the initials are CAB. Um, Abacan. Yes, yes, Abacab. Yes, mm -hmm. it, it was, it was, it was flown by Genesis <laughs> to their home by the sea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's something about iron oxide and aluminum that those are actually components of. Um, ever hear of the term thermite? Yes. Or, or basically solid rocket fuel. That was the skin of the Hindenburg. Oh. 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 <laughs> Interesting. But now, some guys actually put this theory to the test. Do, do you guys like the show Mythbusters? Yes. Yeah. Well, the Discovery Show Mythbusters, they actually tested uh, the incendiary paint theory when they did their first run without the hydrogen and you know basically sparked the paint it it burned but it did not spread fast enough to actually support the theory that you know that's why the Hindenburg you know bl blew up the way it did or not or not blew up but burned up so fast the way it did yeah mm -hmm. They ran the second test. Take the incendiary skin, mix it with hydrogen. Y you got yourself a good cocktail there. That was actually pretty plausible in their test. Uh -huh. Now, the Hindenburg, um, the site of the Hindenburg, there is actually a memorial. Have either of you guys ever been there in Lakers? Uh, no. I don't know there. 
Christian? No, no, I've never been there. No. Oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. I, I didn't sorry. hear you. Well, the, the, the site of the crash at Naval Air Station Lakehurst uh, has been renamed the Naval Air Systems uh, Command uh, or Nav, Nav Air um, as uh, – I'm sorry. By the Naval Air Systems Command as Naval Air Engineering Station, NAES, Lakehurst or Navy Lakehurst. And um, it's been marked with this chain out, uh, outline pad and bronze plaque where the gondola landed and was dedicated in 1987 on May 6th, the 50th anniversary of the Hindenburg disaster. Oh, wow. Hmm. Now, the hangar, hangar number one, is also still there at the, uh, the, the Navy Air Base. And that's where the airship was to be actually housed after landing. That has also been registered as a National Historic Landmark oh. in 1968. Oh. And uh, once uh, everything uh, goes uh, back to normal here, uh, you can schedule a tour through the Navy Lakehurst Historical Society. Yeah. Pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so yeah, you, you can uh, v visit the site. Um. Now, Christian, you you mentioned before something in 1966, May. Oh shoot! Oh, um. Drummer Keith Moon. Oh yeah. And who bassist John Entwistle? Do you know what they were doing at that that day? I think they might have been meeting with Jimmy Page about quitting the Who, right? Yeah, because they were working together along with Jimmy Page mm -hmm. and John Paul Jones mm. on Jeff Beck's album for the instrumental Beck's Bolero. Oh, mm. okay. Now, have have you guys ever heard that one? No. I think so. Oh, it, it's, it's a great track. Um, I, I don't know if you're Jeff Beck fans, but that's, uh, I think, one of his uh, best. Mm. But the track came out so well. Christian, what did you just say? Well, yeah, and Whistle and Moon were thinking of leaving The Who to join Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones to make what I think became Led Zeppelin. Well, well, yeah, they, they talked about forming a new band, but Moon realized something. Yeah. What, 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 what did Moon say? He, he said it would go over like a baby lead balloon. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, like a bit bit lead balloon. <laughs> well, two years later, Jimmy Page remembered that bit bit lead balloon joke. And <laughs> along with John Paul Jones, Robert Plant and John Bottom John created Bottom? Another, his own group, Led Zeppelin. There you go. <laughs> so change the lead to lead and balloon to Zeppelin. And you got yourself a super group. And as as you also pointed out, the cover of Led Zeppelin One. What's on that? The Hindenburg burning. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Which brings us to our game. Uh oh, <laughs> welcome to Jersey, not Jersey. Album cover edition. Oh, nice. Get your Google. Uh... 
tablet, get your tablet and start Googling. Let's go. Yes. So the way we played today's game, Christian and, and Pete, yep. we're going to uh, go over album covers throughout the years. And were they set in New Jersey or not in New Jersey? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. You, you hit the first one, Christian, Led Zeppelin one. That would be Jersey. Yeah. The, the yeah, that's the the New Jersey. <laughs> now, let's go to the year 1975. Let's go back to Led Zeppelin. Physical graffiti. Jersey or not Jersey? Huh. I'm going to say not. Me too. Okay. You are both correct. Oh, yay. It's actually. Hooray. It's basically a photo of a building uh, in New York City on St. Mark's Place between First Avenue and Avenue A. You can still visit it oh, and, nice. and basically compare your record album. That's pretty close to Jersey, but. Yeah, close yeah. to New Jersey, but not, not, not there. Yeah. Um, let's stay in the, the year 1975. Pink Floyd. Wish you were here. Well, okay, that's uh, not Jersey. As wish you were here with like the Burning Man uh, cover. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm going out of limb and saying that it is. I'm gonna say no just to see who's right. <laughs> no okay. Idea. And the person that is correct, it's gotta be one of you. And the person is Christian. I oh. knew it. <laughs> yeah. It it was shot on the, the lot <laughs> of the Warner Brothers studio complex. Oh brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're, we're, let's ship. Let's shift from classic rock to Red Man of Method Man and Red. Oh, cool. all right, I know this. 1994's one. Dare is a Dark Side. Oh yeah, classic. Uh, I'm, I'm going uh, Jersey or not Jersey? Hundred percent New Jersey. Yep. Oh, uh, he sounds pretty sure. I'm gonna say no, just so you know. Just okay, to, yeah. to balance out the uh, yeah, yeah, the, 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 to the, the defy me. And Peter. Yes. You are correct. Yay. Yes. Uh, the, the, the large power lines in, in the field there, that's in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. There because Redman, or Redman, I'm sorry. <laughs> like It's like Redman. <laughs> yes, the St. John's. No, um, he was raised in Newark and, and expelled from Montclair State University. Whoa. He is a Jersey guy through, through and through. Okay, Let, let's jump to 1966. Let's go back a little bit. Four seasons, looking back. Jersey or not Jersey? Yes. Yes, also, New Jersey. And you are both correct. Oh. It's uh, shot along the railroad tracks behind Nanya's in the park, a restaurant on the edge of Branchbrook Park in Belleville. Oh, is that that's still right. there? I don't know if it's still there. Uh, I um, it is. I, oh, it is. Um, yeah. The woman I work with, her uncle owns it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah. Oh, well, if she, if she didn't know the tie-in, you know, uh, to tell her about Looking Back, the album cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're going to go into uh, some heavy metal. All right, now we're talking. The band, uh, the the year is 2005. The band is called Giant Squid. (laughs) The album is called Monster in the Creek. 
Jersey or not Jersey? This sounds like a Jersey thing. Me too. I'm going to say also New Jersey. <laughs> and you are both correct. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and Monster in the Creek. What Monster in the Creek were they talking about? Well, the songs on the album are based on the 1916 shark attacks we talked about on the last episode. Oh, get out. The, 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 the cover actually is Matawan Creek, where the Garden State uh, Parkway passes. Huh. How about 1966? Simon and Garfunkel, Sounds of Silence. I'm going to say not Jersey. Oh, shoot. I'm going to go yes. Okay, hello, darkness, my old friend. It's good to see you here again at Franklin Canyon Park in Los Angeles, California. Dang it. (laughs) What happened to counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go to Mr. Jersey himself. Bruce Springsteen, 1978, Darkness on the Edge of Town. I know, like, it, it, it seems obvious that that would be New Jersey like somewhere in Asbury Park, but I bet you it's not. Um, I'm still going to say it is Jersey. Me too. Okay, and you are both correct. It actually, the photographer, Frank uh, Stefanko, that did the classic cover, that was in his bedroom in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, Cindy Lauffer, She's So Unusual, 1983. Not New Jersey. I think because she's originally from, uh, where is she from? Brooklyn or somewhere? Queens, Queens that's it. Yeah. And, uh, what do you no, say, Christian? I'm going to say no. Not no? Well, yeah, it's not New Jersey. That That's uh, in front of a derelict wax museum in Coney Island. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Ever hear of the band Yola Tengo? Yes. 1987's New Wave Hot Dogs. Jersey or not Jersey? New Wave Hot Dogs. Hmm. I'm going to say yes to New Jersey, that it was in New Jersey. It just sounds right. Yes. Yep. Well, Yola Tango is from Hoboken, and uh, they took a picture of their local hot dog truck, New Wave Hot Dogs. (laughs) Well, what do you know? (laughs) (laughs) And bingo, album cover. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end this one on a country note. Whoa. Kenny Chesney, 2016's Cosmic Hallelujah. Wow. Huh. That doesn't sound that Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Not to me either. What's this? Cosmic Hallelujah better? <laughs> I say no. I'll say no. And you are both incorrect. Oh. Cosmic Hallelujah? has a nice picture of the boardwalk at Seaside Heights and you can identify some of the uh, <laughs> the, the the attractions there. <laughs> Are there any guys with like you know long gold chains around their necks <laughs> in the shot or... Yeah, then I don't believe it if there's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I hope you guys enjoyed uh, t- today's pod. Oh, um, we did. Yeah, yeah, I, we did. I, I, I want to thank you, uh, Christian. Thank you for being our guest. Yeah, thank you, Christian. Hope Thanks we get to me. get you on another episode too. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
I'd like to also acknowledge uh, uh, Chris Mad for our new theme song. Yeah. And uh, Chris and his uh, band, Serious Matters, just put out a new album called Mistaking Wasps for Dragonflies. So uh, check it out. You can uh, yeah. check it out on Spotify and uh, in, in, in some of those uh, places. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or go on to their website and order a copy. Uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, also a- a- acknowledge uh, uh, the, the Big Kahuna, because I, I think he may have... Uh, been in the background. I know Ming started us off, but I think Kahuna actually was our engineer for the rest of this pod. Very nice. And and uh, if you want, look for his uh, on a uh, what is that called? YouTube, Arcade Productions, and lo- lo- look uh, soon. I I hope for Anderson Harbor. I- I'd also like to acknowledge Mike and Ming and a shared universe because they they're the ones that are making all this possible. Yep. Um, I'd like to acknowledge, uh, that we have a, um, podcast. So, you know, find us on your, uh, local podcasting app, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Spotify, Google, uh, podcast, all of them We're we're out there. So pl- pl- mm-hmm. please, uh, you know, f- follow, uh, and, uh, uh what, what is it? Subscribe. Yes. That's the word. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. You know, but please join us for for our episodes. Uh, while while we're still doing the remote uh, uh, podcast here, you know, uh, jo- join us on Facebook as well. We also um, want to tease um, a future podcast that may or may not involve a uh, particular water park that uh, oh yeah soon to, soon to have a HBO documentary, right, Nick? Uh, coming that is correct. Soon, coming soon right? to a pod near you. I think yeah, we're, we're going to go New, New, New Jersey from, theme parks from, from, from New Jersey, right? Yes, Vernon, New Jersey. Yeah, we, we're we're uh, gonna go from the uh, the um, yeah the, the old fashioned ones and uh, to the uh, the the breakneck we'll call it uh, theme parks of New Jersey. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the, the documentary the documentary on said park <laughs> is gonna yes. be uh is gonna premiering in August on HBO Max. So uh, oh, awesome! We, we we plan on like I said, I think we're gonna try and have the podcast coincide. With the airing of that um, documentary, hopefully, and again, I'm sure you probably have already figured out what blank park we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not central. Full of, um, action, yes, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, f- follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Um, you can email us at uh, what is a uh, what is it? What exit podcast at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. And uh, ex- exit what on Twitter again? Sorry, I screwed up. And finally, thank you to KP Burke, uh, his dad, LP, and the American Loser podcast for inspiring us to start our Jersey-based history podcast, mm-hmm. What Exit. And um, if you want a lot more detail on the events of the Hindenburg and more of the other craziness around it, including Led Zeppelin, please listen to his episode of the Hindenburg which I believe he did about a year and a half ago. So ho- ho- hopefully, hopefully we did we did him proud on this episode. Definitely. So for what exit Jersey stories, I've been Nick Franco, and I'm Pete Riario. I'm Kristen O'Reilly, and somewhere in the ether is the Big Kahuna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you, everyone. Be safe. Thank you all. Yeah, be See safe. you soon. Next week.